Hello, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the recorded service for McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church uh, for the first Sunday of Lent, February 21st, 2021. We're excited to worship with you. God, we are here at the water's edge, casting off from the shore into unknown waters. With fear and trembling, we drop our oars, letting them go, trusting the sea. God, we trust the signs of your covenant, the ark through the water, the waters of baptism, the bow in the clouds, and the dove from the heavens. We, we call, call to you as, as you called, called us deeper into steadfast, steadfast love.
Deep calls to deep. We call to you from the depths of our hearts. We confess when we have stayed too close to the surface, avoiding you, avoiding our neighbors. We confess when we have felt in over our heads, needing you, needing our neighbors. Deep calls to deep. You call to us from the depth of your love. Calling us to deep relationship. We come to you, God. Psalm 25, verses 1 to 10. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Jesus, I've forgotten the words that you have spoken, promises that burn within my heart and now grown dim. With a doubting heart, I follow the paths of earthly wisdom. Forgive me for my unbelief, renew the
Along with being the first Sunday of Lent, today is also the 2021 Day of Prayer for EMC Missions. Sent out in our last update email was a list of prayer items sent to us by our EMC and affiliated missionaries. As such, in our prayer time today, what I will be doing is leading you in prayer for the items in this document. I will say an area of the world as they are ordered and then invite you to pause this recording in order to pray for the items listed yourself before you unpause the recording and carry on. If you do not have the EMC prayer list, I would instead encourage you to simply pray for what God sets on your heart for the regions as we encounter them together. And so, I ask you now to bow with me in a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning with your missions on our hearts, with your missionaries who do good work spreading your love and your kingdom to the areas of the world on the tops of our minds. Lord, first off, we want to pray for your missionaries in Africa. Lord, each of these people is on our hearts. God, we pray that you bless their mission in Africa. And now, our dear God, we pray for your missionaries serving in Asia. Lord, every day, the words that are coming from the East concern us when it comes to what is happening with your church. And so, Lord, we pray that you will make yourself known to our missionaries in Asia as never before. And now, God, we pray for our missionaries in Europe. Lord, Europe has changed so very much, even in our lifetimes, when it comes to how you and your church are seen. And so, Lord, we pray that you will be a blessing on each of them in their mission. God, now we pray for all of your missionaries in South America. Lord, your church is growing in South America as in few other places in the world, and we thank you so very much for this. And Lord, we pray for each of your missionaries that is working there, that you bless them in all they do. And now, God, we want to bring before you your missionaries in Central America. Lord, this is a mission field that strikes particularly close to home, given our connection to it. God, we pray for each of the missionaries in Central America. Lord, we pray that you will make yourself known in all that they do. And God, we want to pray for your missionaries in North America, especially as they relate to church planting. Our God, all throughout Scripture, we read time and time again that it is through the church that your good news will go out to all around us. And so, Lord, we pray for each of our church planters here in Canada that you will be with them, that you will grow what it is that they are doing, the churches that they are planting, until there are entire new generations chasing after you. And finally, Lord, we pray for our missionaries in North America. Lord, every day as we read the news and see what's going on, we recognize the need to speak to the people of North America like never before, to speak to our neighbors and even to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of the missionaries that is on this list and all that they are doing chasing after you. 
God, we pray that we will be inspired. God, we pray that they will never be far from our hearts or our minds. And God, we pray most of all that the kingdom will be built by all that they do. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Mark 1, 9-15 At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In today's passage, there are three stories. Three stories and three paragraphs, each with a point that I want to pick up on, each kind of building to the last. And the first story begins like this. Jesus, and this is the first time we're hearing about him in the book of Mark, as Mark doesn't deal with Jesus' birth like the other Gospels do. Jesus, one day, is walking through the Palestinian countryside, heading east. Starting from his home in Nazareth, Jesus travels through the rest of Galilee, a decent-sized region, lots of hills, towns, a really big lake that calls itself a sea, before he finally finds himself on the banks of the Jordan River, where John the Baptist, we are told, is doing his thing. Now, unlike Jesus, John is someone who Mark has spent a wee bit of time with before our passage today. And in those handful of verses, we learn that John was someone who preached a message, a singular message, a message that undoubtedly will sound a little familiar to us hearing it today. And here I'm going to paraphrase it a bit. It went, repent. Repent of your sins and be baptized, because soon one is coming who will make all things new. I, John, am just the one paving the way for that man. So repent and be baptized, because soon the Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament will come to set wrong things right. This is the message that John preached, Mark tells us. This is the message that John proclaimed far and wide across all of Galilee and Judea. Repent, be baptized, because soon the Lord comes. And with that message preceding our passage today, we find it is with really all the subtlety of a man playing trumpet on an elephant back, that Mark tells us that Jesus Christ met John face to face on the banks of the muddy River Jordan in order to himself be baptized. And while the story of Jesus' baptism is one that we have heard many times before, even this year, here in the book of Mark, the story plays out differently than in those tellings. Because while in the other books, Jesus and John have that 
back and forth about how John is not worthy to baptize Jesus, Mark instead takes a bit of a streamlined approach to telling the story. Not because the dialogue didn't happen, but instead because Mark is a man all about moving the story forward in order to let us know all that we can about Jesus as quickly as possible. Like a shot of espresso in place of a drip brew that the other Gospels give. Both of the things are good, but they're doing different things. And so without so much as a hey how are ya, in Jesus goes to the water and he is baptized. And we read immediately as he comes above the surface, the first miracle of the book of Mark takes place. And it is that the Spirit of God makes itself known, descending into Jesus like a dove. And from the heavens we hear God himself say that you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And the voice says this, speaking not to those around him, but in Mark's telling directly to Jesus himself. It is you that I am well pleased. And so ends the first story and paragraph from our passage today, that of Jesus' baptism. And from it, we take our first lesson as well. And there are a couple of points that we could take from this short passage, don't get me wrong. But here is the one that I want us to focus on. And it will sound obvious to us, but that is only because we've been raised to think that it is obvious. I guarantee you that to the people that Mark is writing to in his gospel, they would not have found this nearly so obvious. And what that point is that I want us to take is that Mark wants us to make no mistake about this. Jesus is the one that John said would come. Jesus is the one for whom we are to repent of our sins and be baptized in order to follow him. Jesus is God, Mark wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus is the Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament, the one that John was paving a way towards. Jesus is the Lord. And from there, the narrator moves on. And soon we find ourselves in the story that we expect to find ourselves in the first week of Lent, the story of Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. And again, while normally we would expect this story to be told with a chapter's worth of detail and flourishes, not so with good old right-to-the-point Mark telling it. For immediately after hearing the voice of God, we read that Jesus books it out into the wilderness. No mention of him drying his clothes, no mention of saying anything to John or the others around him, but instead, off he goes. And where in the other Gospels we get that novella of the temptation, of the duel between Jesus and the devil, here instead we get just two sentences, and together they are wonderful. For 40 days, Jesus was in the wilderness tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. When I read those two verses, I find my mind automatically goes to a Disney movie where the hero, with the help of all the woodland critters, saves the day from the bad guy, who in this case I suppose is Satan, in which case, respect to Jesus. As all the other Disney villains seem a bit of a step down when your original hero is facing off against the literal devil himself. Uh, but sadly, I don't think that's how we're meant to read Jesus' foray into the, the critters of the waste. Instead, and either much more or less epic depending on who you are, Mark wants us to understand Jesus being among the wild animals in his temptation as a sign of just how rough and tumble that temptation truly was. 
When we read Jesus was with the wild animals in his temptation for 40 days, we are to read that no matter how hard of a time we think the temptation was, it was just so much worse than even that. It was such a hard time that it took even the Son of God himself, the Lord incarnate, prophesied by both John and the writers of the Old Testament, it took that God into such a low place that he was brought among even the wild animals. Now that is rough. But it is in how we are told Jesus endures this temptation. That is the point that I want to take from this paragraph, these two sentences. The angels attended him, we are told. And here is a point for us to take as we head into the season of Lent, if there ever was one. How do you endure temptations as you find them? Well, with the attendance of the angels, of course. And while that may sound just far too fantastical to ever be something that we can do, how about instead I word it a little differently? How are you to endure the temptations of life? Well, through the help of God, of course. After all, who is it that commands the angels of heaven? God does. Who is it that can help us through the rough times of life? Well, the answer is that same God can. The same God who John has called us to repent of our sins to and be baptized for in order to build our relationship with him. The same God whose son was baptized all of one two verses before this, who was sent to show us that we can endure the temptations of life because even though he was brought as low as you possibly can be by his temptation, he nevertheless made it through because God was at his side. This is the second point for us to take from the second paragraph of this story. When we are tempted, God is still there to help us endure. So repent and be baptized. Build that relationship with God. For when you are tempted, you too, like Christ, can lean on God to help you through. And then the narrative moves on one final time. Jesus leaves the wasteland critters, returning from his time of temptation, having endured the machinations of Satan, who is the devil. And by how it's worded, we can take that it was in this time, by Mark's reckoning, that our friend John the Baptist found himself on the wrong end of the law and was imprisoned. And while this is undoubtedly supposed to be hard for us to take, given that what John was teaching are things that we know to be true, it is also not meant to be terribly surprising for us either, if you look into the other Gospels even briefly. John was a man who had a tendency to call out despots and kings by name, along with their embarrassing sins in front of large crowds of people. So that he ended his day in prison was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Albeit, it was a tragic one, because again, John was a man who preached the truth. But nevertheless, when Jesus arrives in the area and finds out the fate of John, we read the Son of God decides to continue on in his travels back into Galilee, the area that he had originally come from. And there he began to proclaim that same message that John had, but of course adapting it to fit the circumstances. No longer was it preached, repent for soon the Lord will be here, but finally, 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 the message instead became, repent, the time has come. And with that, the torch is passed from John to Jesus, just as it was passed from the Old Testament writers to John. The torch to let the world know what needs to be done now.
And that we know from Mark that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God's son, that Jesus is the one prophesied by the writers of the Old Testament themselves, that Jesus is God, that we know that means that when we see Jesus take up this message of the imprisoned John, not only is he doing it because it is the good news that he came to give us, but it is also to tell us, reading it, that what John preached all those years was right all along. Even though he is in prison, John was right. That Jesus preaches what John preached mean that though John's life came to an unfortunate end, it nevertheless truly meant something because he brought the truth of God to the people that he spoke to, to the people he called on to repent and be baptized and follow God. That it was this man, Jesus, who continued on preaching this same message, but now recognizing himself as the Messiah who had come, the Messiah who was tempted for 40 days so intensely that it was said that he lived among the wild animals and yet he endured. That this is the man who takes up preaching this message means that there is hope for us in this call of John the Baptist, in this call of the Old Testament writers. This call to repent and believe the good news because it is how you are called to follow in the footsteps of the one who can go toe-to-toe with the devil and yet always come out on top. And this brings us to the last point for us to take from the passage today. The point that all the others have been building towards. Because as we believers know, Jesus has ascended now into heaven. And that same spirit of the Lord that flew to him as a dove has now come upon each of us as well. And with it, just as Jesus took the torch to preach this message from John all those years ago, now too the torch has been passed again. Now it is our turn to preach this message of good news that was prophesied, to live it out. And if we do that, It can, in our lives, change everything. And so, for our last point to take, I say this. Just as Mark calls us to, let us now take up that same torch. The one prophesied by the writers of the Old Testament. The one lifted by John the Baptist. The one lit by Christ himself. Let us take up the torch that is preaching this message of good news. Sharing to those around us that God has come. And if you just repent of the things that tear you away from him. Your sins and choose to follow as Jesus calls you to. You can find our God. You can build a relationship with our God. You can know love and hope. Just as preaching and living this message brought meaning to the life of John, so too can picking up that torch, living in this way, bring meaning to your life in this time when meaning is so hard to find. Because it is in this good news and the one it is about, I tell you truly that we will all see the kingdom of heaven draw near. So repent of your sins and draw near to the Jesus of the Gospels. Believe in him and take your strength from him. And as the situation presents, share this wonderful news as far and wide as you can in the way that makes sense for you. 
The time is now. benediction comes from the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Go now and serve our God.